0: Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you're listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Broadbridge, Louisiana, We hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Deliverer. By the name of Moses, who went to bring the freedom of those slaves out of Egypt and into their promise, and um, it's not the only time God sent a deliverer to people that needed to be free. Many years ago, I see it this way, but many years ago, God sent a deliverer, if you will, to Brobridge. Brobridge to bring many people out of bondage. And and that is Brandon. God God raised him up, brought him down here into South Louisiana and brought him to Brobridge. And um, there's a few of you that have an understanding of the kind of hardship and bondage you would be in had it not been for God sending him here and providing leadership and prayer. To bring many of you out of a situation financially and in debt that could just really be a, a very big struggle in your life. And, um, and I thank the Lord for Brandon and Tessa. I, I, I say this to you as well, that in the Bible, we're familiar with many scenes where people were able to worship God and praise God in prison. They were able to praise God and worship God in hardship and persecution. But in every case, when people were allowed to go free, they took it. And, um, and so I rejoice in the history that you've had. I rejoice in the battles that you fought, the struggles that you were engaged in. I rejoice in that because God uses that to make you something. But um, God opened up the door to get out of the house of bondage and come into this house of liberty. And God led you so well here. And it is an answer to prayer. It is absolutely miraculous. And this is just the step. I mean, just even looking around today, you need a bigger building. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? You know, so it's, um, it's a wonderful thing. God has many plans for New Beginnings Church. And it's, it's bigger than Bro Bridge, you know. And, um, anyway, I wanted to present this to you, Brandon, you and Tessa. This is just something from our church to y'all. We wanted we some of us took an offering up and our staff and everything and we just wanted to give this to the church and to y'all and to bless you and just celebrate this this day of dedication. And um and so if you would, if the two of you could come stand up here and I just appreciate your leadership. I appreciate your friendship. Um I appreciate what Brandon has said about me. He's been around me in some very difficult moments of my life. And I've been with him in some difficult moments of his life. And we can only rejoice in the grace of God that has been given to us because I'd kill people if it weren't for Jesus, you know? So um, I just thank the Lord for what grace does for us, right? But I, our church wanted to bless y'all and to bless your church and let you know how much we love you both. And. I just, you know, a lot of compliments to you, Brandon. But, Tessa, I just want to compliment you. What an asset you are to Brandon. What a woman of faith. Perfect wife for Brandon. And um, and I just thank God for y'all's relationship and your marriage and your leadership in this church. And, Pastor, if you and your wife could come up as well. just want y'all to be up here. Because I want the church to pray over these guys. All right? And, um, and so if y'all come up and can the elders come up and just lay hands on them because there's a purpose. And, you know, as Israel entered into the promised land, that wasn't it. Now they got to go take it. Right. And so they, they have to go and they have to fight enemies and they have to fight hosts and they have to overcome and they have to prevail. And God is requiring something. God's not just giving you a building, say, oh, this is pretty, let's worship it. No, he's requiring something of you for this community and for the world today. And so I just want, if you would, just to stand with us. I want you to stretch your hands out to your pastors, and I want you to pray for them, please. And just some other men may want to come up and lay hands on them. Ministers in this church, just come and pray over them. And let's just pray. You pray out loud, please, everybody in here. Just begin to pray. Come on. I know y'all can talk. You're from Bro Bridge. Y'all talk. Come on. Talk to God. Just pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, God, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this pastor. We thank you for Tessa, Father. I thank you for the piñas, God. I thank you for the ministers in this church, those that you're raising up, Father, the friends that you've given them. Father, in the name of Jesus, may they be strong, God. May they be mighty in the Holy Ghost, Father. And may all of the intentions and the purposes that you have for this church, God, through this leadership to be gained father in the name of jesus and lord may it grow and may it fill the earth god with the testimony and the glory of jesus christ may the power of your holy spirit rest upon them father and operate in this church without hindrance god that your fame would go out into all of the world from here god and i pray you bless them father and i pray that you sustain their joy and sustain their faith and god may it increase In the precious name of Jesus, may it increase, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank y'all. You can give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Thank God for your ministers. Thank God for them. Um, The Lord gave me, sometimes I like to write, and the Lord gave me this, and I wanted to read it. And Brandon, I wanted to give this to you when I'm done. Um, So... I pray that you listen to this because it kind of deals with my message today. And the title of this is The Man in the Saddle. And I just want you to listen to it, please. The church is alive. It is a living organism. A wild vine. Wild in the sense of unpredictable potential. Power and progress. It is raging with life and possibilities. It cannot be tamed or predicted by this world or rational minds of theological men. It is the steed of God running through this earth and the kingdoms of hell. It is powerful. God puts a man in the saddle of the local church and he takes the reins to a force of untold power and possibilities which he himself shudders before with fear but he is there by divine commission no two men can fit in the saddle there is room for only one multitudes will shout to the man in the saddle go here Or navigate there though they have good intentions they have no clue as to the fact that the man in the saddle is not really controlling what he is leading the sheer power of God almighty is racing through the veins of this great church people judge the man in the saddle you guys will Most, really, most condemn him. Few understand the fear by which he stations himself upon the dreadful power he sets. But his ear is tuned, not to the people, but to the one who put him there. He listens for the voice by which he derives his ability to lead the powerful church. The voice of God Almighty. Not committees or boards. These men in the saddle get replaced. They go home. And another is placed in the saddle. There comes a day that I will put another man in the saddle. If Jesus is to tarry, God will. He will have the reins and he will direct this raging life. He must stay on the foundation that Jesus has laid and you must help him to do that. God help the man in the saddle and God help those who condemn him and misjudge him and do not prayerfully understand The voice he's called to listen to. I say this to you guys on behalf of pastor and so many of us. I want you to know this. 97% of pastors have been betrayed. Falsely accused or hurt by their trusted friends. 97%. Seventy percent of pastors battle depression. Seven thousand churches close each year, and you probably have no clue how many times a day he has wanted to run. Fifteen hundred pastors quit every month. Only ten percent, only ten percent of all pastors will retire. 80% of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastors' families feel the pressure of the ministry, and it never ends. 78% of pastors have no close friends. And 90% of pastors report working 55 to 75 hours per week. And I guarantee you the weight that Brandon carries is probably a lot more than that over the last few months. I want you to have that, brother. I love you and think of you that way. You're a great friend. You're a friend to me. I love you. Yeah, Brandon and I have walked together through many, many things. And I know that we will continue until Jesus comes to get us. We will continue to walk together as friends. And I love that man. And I know that he loves you. I want to share just a few more things with you as about about pastors. And I want you to hear this, and I have a reason for saying this. So I just want you to stay with me. I'm going to go to three scriptures this morning, probably four scriptures this morning. I'm going to start in Numbers 14. Go to Mark chapter 6, James chapter 5, and Psalm 92. I want you to turn there. I want you to read it with me in your Bibles. Numbers 13 and 14. Mark 6. James 5 and Psalms 92. And I want to share this with you about pastoring. Please listen to this. Pastoring is more than reserved seating. And I don't have reserved seating. And I don't know that Brandon has reserved seating. Some pastors do. But it's more than having a reserved spot. And someone making you a plate after service. It takes... A pastor to receive a million secrets and take them all to your grave. Even from the people that hurt you the most, you could destroy them with the truth, but you would sooner die than betray a confidence. It is deciding to cover and protect people in their most vulnerable moments. You have no room for error or grace without exaggerated gossip and slander but you keep on serving the people pastoring is more than getting your picture on a flyer and a reserved parking space it's getting out of your bed in the middle of the night to help someone that will leave the church in a month and you keep on serving the people Pastoring is more than having an office or a briefcase or a backpack. It's helping someone 10 times. And the one time you say no, it becomes the only story they tell about you around the city and on Facebook. But you keep on serving the people. If we call somebody because we haven't seen them at church, we're blasted for it. I can't even miss a service without the pastor calling to find out where I was. But if we don't call them, we're blasted for that. They must not love me or not care. A leader makes a decision. And however many people are in the church, that's how many opinions he's going to hear from. Your call is not the only one. Your opinions are not the only ones. Trust me, he gets them from all. He's not loving Or he's so loving or too loving. He's not bold or he's too bold. He's insensitive or he's not sensitive enough. He doesn't care or he's too caring. These are the things that we get torn with and we have to deal with. Please stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. A pastor is a pastor because God puts him there and he can do nothing else but do that. It's not what he does, it's what he becomes. Now, many people do pastoring because that's what they do. And they can make a lot of money from it. And some of them can generate a lot of comfortable life from it. They might be in the 97 percentile of people that don't get any fluff because they're shielded from the people. And you'll never talk to them. You'll never shake their hand. You'll never get close to them. But that's not a pastor. That's a hireling who's taken advantage of the people for his own gain. But a pastor is just somebody that desires the love of God to be among his people. A pastor is a man who desires for the people to love God. I can promise you this with all of my heart, knowing Brandon as I do, the desire that's in his heart and Tessa's heart as they come into this day and celebrate this new facility, I can tell you that in his heart are dreams of joy and fellowship and happiness and victories. Not division and not strife and not anger and not bondage and not condemnation. But salvation and redemption and joy. And people being able to serve God with happiness and gladness and not being condemned, maybe even when they fail, but one another helping each other to be able to grow and enjoy the, the walk that we have with God. That's what's in his heart. Blessings and prosperity, your prosperity, the growth of the church, the fame of Jesus in the community. That's what he wants. And I pray to God, that's what you want. I pray that's what your desire is, so that together you can work on these things. As a matter of fact, the greatest legacy you will ever leave in this life is the way you love people. It's not how much money you leave. It's not the jobs that you've created. It's not the executive positions that you've held. It's not even your time in the service. It's not the experiences that you've had. It's, it's not the sacrifices that you've made. Those are not the things that men really strive after. Just watch the next funeral service you go to. Because in the eulogy are all of those kinds of things. This is the school they graduated from. This was the college they graduated from. This is the doctorate that they had. These are the things that they've accumulated. These are the businesses that they've started. These were the times that they served. This was the war that they fought in. And it quickly passes in the midst of a sentence. That brief vapor of your life is gone. And what do people do after the eulogy is over? What is everybody trying to do? I'm going to try to let everybody know... What a loving father he was. What a loving friend he was. What a loving husband he was. What a loving wife she was. Because at the end of it all, guys, it's not the money that you had. It's not the toys that you got. It's not the awards that you've gained from men. It is this legacy that I loved. I loved greatly. I loved God with all of my heart. And I loved the people of God with all of my heart. That's the legacy of our life. Nothing else will surpass that. And the tragedy of all tragedies is that we as humans learn this too late. But you're a Christian now, so you've got this. You've got love. You understand love. I pray to God that you do because you're born of the God of love. And I want to read this to you about love. It seems all too common today for people to run away. Their feelings get hurt. A legitimate offense occurs and they are offended And the typical response is to run, to flee, and forsake the body. But is this love? Does the love of God run? When our sin offended God, did he run and forsake us? The high level of bitterness and isolation among Christians these days only reveals the bankruptcy of love among God's children. Yet all the while, they would proudly proclaim that they are strong in God's love. No man is more mature in Christ, listen to this, than the man who can love at all times to all people under all circumstances. That's a mature Christian. Love is never more manifest than when it is suffering in order to extend forgiveness to those who have brought its sorrow and wound. And yet even husbands and wives can't show that love to one another because a wife offended the husband or a husband offended the wife and they have knowledge of each other's sin and they refuse to give that love. But we call ourselves great Christians and oh, how we love God. But if we love God, we're going to love one another. Love cannot forsake period it cannot love cannot run away it must stay and fight and labor for the benefit of those by whom it has been offended and all to God this would be the fruit of believers lives if we would submit to the Holy Ghost he would make us more than scholars he would make us apostles of love and if he could mature us in Christ which is to be a loving people, revival would be ceaseless in the house of God. And if there's any dedication here today, we celebrate this beautiful provision that God has given. But if there's any dedication today, may it be sons and daughters of God, who would fall on their faces before God and say, Lord, whatever is standing in the way of me loving you with all of my heart, let there be a work of the Holy Ghost in my life today that frees me to love you and love other people and not forsake, but to live and to fight. Love does not run and hide because love cannot live alone. Love would rather be crucified by you than to live alone without you. This is what the Holy Ghost is trying to conform us to. This is the love that causes faith to work. So do not isolate yourself. Be among men and among things and be among troubles and be among difficulties and be among obstacles so in those things, you will be able to know how much you do love like Christ or how much you don't love like Christ and how desperately you are for a work of the Spirit of God. Now I say that because I believe that love is the principal thing. As a matter of fact, Paul said or Peter said in his epistle to the, to the brethren, he says, add to your faith. And you add to your faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and kindness and brotherly love. And you add to brotherly love, love. And what do you add to love? Nothing. There's nothing that comes after that. Because Paul said that love is the perfectness of the saint. Love is the mature saint. And, and, and we see all of these, sometimes these gifts of the spirit. I have the gift of discernment. And I can discern this about somebody, and I can discern that about somebody. But real love and real maturity in Christ is not my ability to discern something about you, but what do I do with you when I discern that? And real love and true love has already opened itself up to the crucifixion. Haven't you prayed to be like Jesus? Haven't you desired to be like him? Don't you want to be more like Christ? Don't you want to love the way Jesus loves? Don't you want people to be saved? Don't you want people to come to God? Don't you want people to be born again? Don't you want people in your schools and your workplaces to come to Jesus Christ and be born of the Spirit of God? Then as he walked, you must walk. As he was betrayed, you will be betrayed. As he was persecuted, you will be persecuted. And it is in the midst of the tragedy where you get to love and it is in getting to love and lay yourself down and sacrifice yourself that people are going to be one to that loving heart we love him because he first loved us and so I say it all it's not the focus of man but it's the focus of God This is the greatest thing that a man can do is to love the Lord as God with all of his heart, soul, and mind. That's the greatest thing a man can do. The second's like it. You love your neighbors yourself. But forget loving the neighbors as ourselves if we don't love God. And if you love God, you will love your neighbors as yourself. And God cannot run on us. He cannot bail As a matter of fact, when things get more difficult and it gets tough and it gets hard and offenses come in and we get left out or we get scorned or somebody writes about us on Facebook, we love more. We love more. We give more. We wash the feet more because it is this love that never fails and it overcomes And I can promise you this, a man or a woman that loves God is not going to raise their hand against God and they're not going to strike his body. I I would probably be willing to say that almost all of us in this room, if you were here 2,000 years ago, then you have already convinced yourself in your mind that if I were here 2,000 years ago, I would have not stood in that crowd and I would have not cried for Jesus' crucifixion. If I was in that crowd, I would have never raised my hand against Jesus. And yet Christians who make that profession do it every day. Because we are the body of Christ. And we raise our hands and we strike the body of Christ. And we slap the body of Christ. And we abuse the body of Christ when we do it to one another on social media. Or we withdraw ourselves. You say, well, I'm going to that church, but I don't like those people. I don't like, I want to go see this new building, what it's all about. But, you know, I'm 90% already out of here. I'm just already out of here. I'm just, and we're striking the body of Christ. And we would say, I would never do that to Jesus 2,000 years ago. And I say to you this today, people, because I really believe the dedication of the temple of God is ourselves. And that we would dedicate ourselves to God for the love of God. To really come into our hearts. I believe this is what the baptism in the spirit and fire is. I believe this is the fire. The love of God in our hearts that rages and burns within us. And that gives us liberty and freedom to openly and expressively love one another. So I want to come to my scriptures this morning. And the first ones that I want to read is this. It's in Numbers. And I want you to see this because this is when the spies come back from spying out the promised land. And the Bible tells us in chapter 13 verse 30. The Bible says and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said we're not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than us. And they brought up an evil report. A slander, a defamation. They brought up an evil, slanderous, defaming report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel. Saying, the land which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people, that's a lie. All the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants there. And we are as grasshoppers in their sights. That's a lie too. Because Rahab even told him, if y'all can hear how our people are talking about y'all, we're terrified of you. And we're terrified of your God. And the Bible says in in chapter 14, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. All the congregation, do you know that this is millions of people? millions of people how many people did it take to cause millions of people to cry all night long in murmuring and complaining how many people did it take 10 10 people caused millions to lose faith in God and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. Just look at that again. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. Be careful what you say in depressing moments. And be careful what you say in your murmuring. And be careful what you say in your offense. And be careful what you say when you're not happy. And be careful what you say when you do not understand. Because if you notice verse 2, and he says "Would that we had died in Egypt or that we have died in this wilderness. Well, if you just look at this in chapter 14, verse 28, God says, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. Your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. And that's why they died in the wilderness. They asked for it. They asked for that in their confusion, in their pain, in their agony. All of the promises before them. But they get discouraged by a handful of men. And in that discouragement, they cry all night long. And in crying all night long, in one night of murmuring and pity, they are sealing their fate to die in the wilderness. When all of their promises are set before them. Oh beloved I say this to you this morning. That all of the promises of God are before you. God has liberated you and brought you into a house of liberty. This beautiful place. Because it is only a provision of God for the purposes of his kingdom. You're entering into a promise to take the promise, to claim more ground that the kingdom of God might be able to do more through your life. Don't settle and rest, but advance. And don't let people say, oh, we can't do it. Our church is too small to do that. Our church is too busy to do that. We don't have enough money to do that. Don't let naysayers stifle what God is showing the man in the saddle Because God has a purpose and God has an intent and God wants to do something through this body of Christ that is supernatural in its nature and in its effect. God wants to do something in New Beginnings Church and he has been doing it. Many of us talk about what God has done in New Beginnings Church. Many of us have commented about the anointing on Brandon and Tessa's life. Many of us have commented about that for years and years. And so I believe with all of my heart that this is the intention of God. God, if you will, is saying, i got to get on with it. There's stuff I have to do through New Beginnings Church, and I've got to get on with it, and I can't do it in the old place, and I'm not confined to the new place, but the new place is necessary for what I want to do in receiving the promise. And don't let naysayers keep you from it. Because just a handful of naysayers, if 10 guys could do it for millions, then maybe one guy could do it for this group. And cause us all to complain and murmur through the night. And then I want you to see this in chapter 14. Just very quickly, it says in verse 21. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. Can I just say this to you? Please listen to this. Do you understand that in chapter 13, when these 10 spies are speaking against Moses and saying, we're not able to go do this, we've assessed the land, we see what it's like and it eats up the inhabitants and there, everybody in it is a giant of stature in our eyes and we are nothing in their eyes and they're, they're spreading this defamatory thing. and remark. These aren't just words. Words can't affect a nation. Words can't affect millions of people like... These aren't just words that men are speaking. This is a spirit. And how do you know that it's a spirit? Because chapter 14 says Caleb was of another spirit. And beloved, I want you to see something. Here are 10 men speaking by a spirit that is not of God. It is a spirit of fear. And here is Caleb and Joshua and Moses speaking by the spirit of God. Three stalwarts of a men who knew God and walked with God and the power of God was all over their life. And these three men falling on the ground, begging the people of Israel, reminding them of the miracles of God could not persuade the nation to believe God because 10 men speaking by an evil spirit took over the faith of the people. I just say that to you because of all that God has before you. I want you to read Mark chapter 6 with me. And I want you to see it in your Bibles. Just a few verses of Scripture. Jesus is ministering. He's going to his hometown. And while he's going to his hometown, he has an intention to do many wonderful things there. But I want you to see this. He went out from there, verse 1, and he came to his own country and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. Okay, so let's say this. Many people are astonished with Jesus in his hometown. You reading that with me? They were astonished and they were saying this. From where does this man get these things and what wisdom? So they had to acknowledge his wisdom, right? They didn't say he's mad. They didn't say he's a lunatic. He has wisdom. What wisdom? is given to him what mighty works they had to acknowledge his mighty works they were astonished with jesus and they openly admit this man has wisdom that is not of the earth and we cannot deny the mighty works of this man that are wrought by his hands and they had to admit this they had to admit the authority that was in him, the power that was in him, the wisdom that was in him. Boy, what if somebody would walk into our life and they were so anointed by God that we could not deny their wisdom, their authority, and their power from God. And they were there to do many wonderful things for us. But somebody doesn't let him. Somebody begins to make Jesus, who's astonishing, common. And that's what they do to Jesus. Listen to this, verse 3. They're diminishing his astonishing. Now, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters right there, right here with us? Aren't those his sisters? And they were offended, which means to be stumbled. They stumbled at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And there he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around the villages teaching. So he couldn't do what he wanted to do. He wanted to do a lot. He wanted to do great things. He wanted to do mighty things in their midst. He wanted to come and heal the sick and cause the lame to walk and the blind to see and demons to come out of people. And this is his hometown. He wants to bless it with all of his heart. That's what he wants to do. And when he first comes there and he's teaching in the synagogues, people, I'm astonished with this guy. I've never seen a man like this with such authority and wisdom and power that comes out of his hands and then a few guys come around just just a couple of guys begin to incite the crowd right wait a minute wait a minute why are y'all so astonished with him he's common that's his mama right there those are his sister come on guys you know his brothers I mean, you're making this God to seem like he's something more than he is. And they took the divinity and the glory and the anointing of Jesus of Nazareth. And they diminished it to a common man. And because of their unbelief and because they stumbled at him and they refused to act upon what they knew to be true, that Jesus could not do many mighty things. He did a few things for some people because I believe the some people, the few people kind of went after him and said, Jesus, you still astonish me. You're still astonishing to me, and I know that there's power in you, and I need your help desperately, and I believe he helped those few people. Listen to me. There is no drunk in Browbridge that's going to come walk in this church and hurt you. No prostitute in Browbridge or Lafayette is going to come sit in this church and give it problems but the people that give the churches problems are the men of caliber the men of renown the theological men the important men the teachers the elders the deacons the men that have gained and earned respect among the community And eventually they begin to speak to one or two or just a few and they begin to take something that is uncommon and I'm pointing to that man over there. Because God called him and placed him and put him over a flock and they begin to bring him down into something that is just so common or less than common. And it can begin to show into the congregation the things of fear and unbelief and God's just like, oh my God, if y'all knew what I wanted to do with you. If you knew the good things I had planned for you. If you knew the miracles that I wanted to work in your midst. If you only knew what I wanted. But I marvel at your unbelief. I marvel at how you are offended or you stumbled. And I beg you. This is what I'm begging you guys. I'm begging you for the love of God. In these last moments of time. For the love of God. Let God supernaturally and miraculously take you where he wants to take you. Let him do what he wants to do. Break the boxes of your religious traditions. Shake off the chains of things that confine you from expressing your real desires for God or being able to love one another or loving a Judas for that matter and begin to express God's love like you never have before and watch the power of the Holy Spirit work. Just watch his power work because this is how the devil would attack. And if we're going to dedicate this temple and we're going to dedicate this house to God, you are the house. And the dedication of that is this, that I want to live in such a way that I can be a means by which the Holy Spirit can move. Because I can guarantee you this, those 10 spies thought they were doing the will of God. And those Pharisees in Mark chapter 6 thought they were doing the will of God. But they came and they hindered the will of God from being done. And the things that God wanted to do, he was not able to do. I want you to read this with me. Just a couple of more scriptures. This is in James chapter 5. This is fresh in my spirit. And I believe it is something that I have to share really everywhere I go. Because I believe this is a last day's mandate. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? And he says this in James 5 verse 8. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. It's near, it's close. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Did you read that? Verse 9, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. And and what James is saying is this, he's saying, look, look, he's at the door, he's fixing to come. And this is to me something that is quite amazing that here's James by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And James is telling us the end of the world is here. He's writing a book 2,000 years ago and he's reaching to you today. And he's reaching to you today, and he's reaching to you today, and he's reaching to you today, James. He's reaching 2,000 years into the future, and he's saying, listen, he's at the door. He's at the door. And because Jesus is at the door, this is my warning to you. This is what you need to beware of, church. Listen to me. Don't grudge one another. Wow. Wow. Man, we, we would think, oh, if, if he's at the door, then, then we would think, repent, 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 or, or go get the harvest and bring it in, or go preach the gospel as much as you possibly can. Don't sleep. Sell everything you got. Get out there and fire all your good. No, that's not what he's saying. He's at the door. Look, he's about to come. The end of the world is here and it's on you guys. Don't grudge one another. That's what they did to Moses and Caleb and Joshua. They grudged one another. That's what they did in Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus was there to do mighty works, they grudged one another. And what happens when you grudge one another? Another spirit comes in and it begins to take over the people. And what God wanted to do, he was not able to do. The word grudge means to sigh, it means to murmur. There's something I don't like about you. I don't like the way you sing. I don't like the way you worship. I don't like the way you dance. I don't like this. I don't like that. We just begin to sigh. And maybe nobody hears it, but there's somebody that does hear it. God hears it. The Holy Ghost in you hears it, and he gets offended at the lack of love that's in our hearts. And when he gets offended, what happens? He is restricted in you. And he can't move like he wants to. And that's on you and that's on me. And the word grudge there means this. It means to be in dire straits. And dire straits is defined by one definition is by being in the most critical moment of the game and your best players not on the field. The most critical moment of the game, and your best player is not on the field, and beloved, the best player is the Holy Spirit. And he lives in you. And it's the critical moment of the game. For those of you that like football, it's the two-minute warning. The judge is at the door. He's about to come, and he says this to us. Don't murmur against each other. Don't sigh against each other. We need the Holy Ghost more than we've ever needed him just to love one another. Peter said there'd be no love in the last days. Jesus said the love of many would wax cold. Paul said in the last days there's a form of godliness, but there's no power and there's no love. We need the Holy Spirit in us to be able to love one another so that we don't murmur. And you know what this word condemn means? Because I believe this. That word condemn means to be pruned or to be... uh, cut off or to be removed and i believe it in this way when the end times comes and i believe it's here and when the moment comes where jesus christ is going to have his glory in this last day's harvest that the holy spirit will not allow anything to get in his way of bringing jesus his glory in this last hour And that means any of us, you read it in James, he's talking to Christians. I've watched people leave church. I've seen church splits. But I've also ch- seen church prunings. Because not everything's a split. Some things are a pruning. Where God comes and he has to cut something off like John 15 because there's no fruit coming out of it. And God has to come and he has to cut it off. Why? so more fruit will come. And how do you know the difference when there's a church pruning? Because people leave the church mad and upset and wrong. Sometimes people get moved by God, and they go from one church to another church because they're being moved by God, and they'll stand up here and say, Church, we love you, and we just thank God for you, and y'all are my family, but we believe God is sending us here to help this church over here, and we want your blessings on it and everything. And then Brandon and New Beginnings has a conference, and they're able to come back to the conference and just love on everybody. Hey, I miss you so much, and it's family. Everything's fine because the Spirit of the Lord did it, but when there's a pruning, there's bitterness, and there's hurt, and there's anger and people are leaving and they think they're leaving in righteousness and in the will of God but they're the ones upset and slandering and murmuring on Facebook and social media and everything else and the Holy Spirit says listen the time has come I am jealous for the glory of my Jesus and I'm not going to let anything stand in my way for letting him be known in this final hour don't you want to see that? Church, don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be able to say to the Holy Ghost, then Lord, just remove anything that is a hindrance to you in my life. And it typically will be offenses. It will typically be people. And you think it's them. But really, it's not them. God's allowed them to get into your life to show you you. So that we can be like Jesus. And so I want to read this last scripture with you. Are you all right? This is Psalm 92. I ask that sometimes. Somebody said, no, I don't know what I'd do. (laughs) I just want to see God in this church be so glorified. And I know that your pastor so desires this. This is Psalm 92, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses, beginning in verse 10. And this is a Psalm of David. And he says, but my horn, my power shall you exalt like the horn of a unicorn i will be anointed with fresh oil that word fresh oil means new and prosperous and flourishing i'll be anointed with fresh oil my eyes will see my desire on my enemies and our enemy is hell And my ears shall hear my desires of the wicked that rise up against me. And that is Satan and his host. It's not flesh and blood. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and he shall grow like a cedar. Verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. It's the same thing as anointed with fresh oil. They shall flourish. Notice where? In the courts of the Lord. And they shall still bring forth fruit in old age and shall be fat and flourishing. And why is this? Why is God going to anoint me with a fresh anointing? Why is God going to allow me to prosper in his courts, in his house, to show that the Lord is upright, that he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him? God is going to anoint me in order that God might be able to show through my anointing that he's my rock and that God is righteous and there's nothing unrighteous in God. God is going to do that. And I'm, I'm I'm just, this is one of the key points I wanted to come to today. And I'm about to close. I just want you to listen to me carefully because I really believe this is a mandate for y'all. This is what God put my heart. This is what I'm delivering. And I tell you this with all of my heart church, you are brought into a high place of privilege God has brought you into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, that is to be one of great joy and celebration. You celebrate a father who loves you at all costs. You celebrate a father who wants nothing but your good and his glory. You celebrate a father who will never leave you or forsake you or abandon you. And all he wants is this, will you let me live in you so that you act that way too? And that's grace cuz you can't do this on your own you're not going to love you're not going to forgive you're not going to get past your offenses you're going to continue to wallow and you're murmuring and you're sighing and you're complaining and cut people off and isolate yourself and i ain't getting close to anybody cuz i've been so hurt in my life and i'm not letting anybody in here this is as close as god can get to me i'll go to church but he ain't getting in here And to be able to get past that is the work of his grace and his spirit. But I can tell you something. Listen to me. I say this in the Lord. He's going somewhere with God. And some of you are. And when we go somewhere with God, it demands a fresh anointing on our life. David was a shepherd and he had a shepherd's anointing. And he was used by God to be able to take care of his father's flocks. But when David stopped being a shepherd and he brought a cart of cheese to his brothers and saw the battlefield arrayed with the giant in it, David stepped into a different anointing that day. He's no longer a shepherd. He has now stepped into a new place in his life that is different and his old life will forever be gone. And now he stepped into a new life and he has the anointing of a warrior. And in the anointing of a warrior, he is able to go and he is able to fight with Goliath. And David walked in that anointing for many, many years of his life. He walked in that anointing until one day. When Samuel the prophet would come along and Samuel would anoint him to be the king of Israel. And then he walked in a king's anointing. So throughout David's life and the places that God would bring him to, God anointed him for that moment. But that moment was to prepare him for this moment because I'm going to show you what I can do through a shepherd with a bear and with a lion so that when you face a Goliath, you will know that the God who delivered you here is the God who will deliver you here. And I'm going to elevate you to be a soldier now and a commander now of forces and armies. And then I'm going to take you from there to be the king of my people the king of Israel and I'm going to anoint you to do that you will not stay here David I don't want you to stay here Brandon and I'm not talking about the fact he's leaving this church don't think that I'm talking about spiritually he's going somewhere with God the past is gone yesterday's gone this is a new place a new anointing God does it it will manifest through his life he does it but listen to me David's anointing did not just affect David. The increased anointing on David's life affected his entire family. Now because God had anointed him to be a soldier and then anointed him to be the king, his mother and father were in jeopardy. His brothers were in jeopardy. Because there were enemies of his life now that wanted him dead. And you know how ruthless people are. If I can't get you, I'll get your mama. And if I can't get your mama, I'll get your wife. And I can't get your wife, I'll get your kids. And so that anointing on David brought the nation of Israel into a new place. And the anointing on this brother is going to bring you into a new place. And you can't sit back and judge like you judged the last five or six years. It's a different season. And if you judge it like you did the last five or six years, you're going to be like one of the ten spies that say, oh, we can't do that. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have enough money. Or we're going to be like the people in Mark chapter 6 saying, he's just a common man. He's nothing. He went to Jimmy Swaggart Bible College. He's from Carolina. I mean, he's no different than anybody else. And we don't see the call and the purpose and the plan of Almighty God to reach the world through this church, New Beginnings, and Bro Bridge, Louisiana what good thing can come out of Nazareth the savior of the world and what good thing could come out of Brobridge, the end time harvest why not why not but it's going to inquire it's going to require an increased anointing now listen you're going to either walk in it or walk away from it I pray that you walk in it because the Holy Spirit wants you to walk in it You need to pray. Where do you flourish in the courts of the Lord? You can't keep up with him by watching. I watch people do this all my life. He mentioned Brother Clendenin, great friend of mine, traveled with him a lot. He gets up at 5 o'clock every morning and prays for hours. And people say, oh, I want to be like Brother Clendenin. So they'd set their alarm clock to get up at 5 in the morning and pray. And he used to say something to us going to a prayer meeting when he'd shake us out of bed because we were having a hard time to get up at 5. And he'd tell us to get up like a commander would tell us to get up and we'd be going to prayer. And, okay, we're going to pray like Brother Clendenin. He said, no, 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 there's a difference. I'm being led of the Spirit. You're being led by me. And there's a difference with that. And so it comes to that point, beloved. I'm not asking you to just watch what's going on here at New Beginnings. I'm telling you this. If you want to flourish with God, you don't hang around Brandon. You hang around God. If you want to be mighty for the Lord, it's not what you can do so much in here as far as a facility or so much works that you can do. You begin to flourish in prayer. You begin to flourish in praise. You begin to flourish in the word of God. You begin to flourish in intercession. You begin to flourish in love in the house of God. Because, beloved, if we can't do it in the house of God, what are we going to do on the streets? And so we begin to flourish here. And I want you to understand this with the increase of anointing is the increase of greatness in every way and also the greatness of your enemy. Because when David was a shepherd, all he had to worry about was dogs and wolves and bears and lions. Sounds threatening. I understand. But these are animals. And they basically are moved by their lust. They're hungry. I want to eat. That's basically it. And if they're not hungry... They'll probably leave you alone. But if they're hungry, then they want to eat. So they don't plot. They don't have strategies. They don't have plans. They're just, I'm hungry today. I think I'll get me a lamb. But when his anointing increased and he became a soldier, he now had to fight Philistines, brilliant minds of strategy and war. Men who had spies and plotted and knew where David was and what David was doing. And he needed a greater anointing to be able to survive that. And then when he became king, he had an even greater fight on his hands because now he had to fight family. And he had no clue whether he was safe or not whoever was around him. I don't know if you're with me or if you're against me. And that was the threat when he was the king. But it was the anointing that preserved him and brought the greatness out of him. And I ask you this morning in the dedication of this house, I look at you, and I ask you the question, will you dedicate yourself to a greater anointing? Because yesterday's gone. It's a new place, a new season, a new time. Pastor Pena came to me. His heart is bursting with vision. His heart is bursting with desire. Do you think that's him, or do you think that's God? Oh, what we can do, what we want to do from here. God has given us a greater platform. Okay, are you with it or not? Are you going to do it or not? Are you going to be one of those men that just gets on the phone with somebody and says, Ah, that guy from Baton Rouge, who in the world? I don't like that guy. Murmur, murmur, complain, complain. I don't know about what Pastor I I don't know about all that stuff. That's just too much for us. Or do we say, God, give me a greater anointing? Because, God, if you anoint me with David's anointing, then I can become one of his mighty men. And David could do a lot more with 400 of us than he can by himself. And so I want to walk in that anointing. And I want to see the enemies of God pummeled. And, you all know, there's bondage and addiction and abuse and molestation and tragedy everywhere you can see it on faces even here and it's not going to church it's going to change anything it's the anointing of God and the presence of God and the love of God and I say this to you beloved your life can be different today you don't have to live the same kind of Christianity you don't have to live the same kind of limitation today is the beginning of everything with a new anointing in your life and you begin to flourish with God it's so intimate with the Lord I want you to stand with me i really prayed i really sought the god for today i really prayed for god to give me a word for y'all and i i know this is it nobody talked to me about this a lot of times we're building dedications you say, hey let's celebrate what god's done i love that that's great you know let's shout and everything like that but it's we're too late in the game it's two minute warning he's coming back we need to stop grudging one another we need to get the Holy Spirit out on the field we need to stop living in the limitations of our own pain and our own offenses yes I'm hurt yes I've been wounded I have to. my mother my brother my sister tried to destroy my marriage and my church and my ministry around the world And I and, and what would come out of me would be such bitterness and anger I wanted to kill them all I wanted to kill them And I would have to take that to God and say, God, I need a new anointing on my life. I need a different heart. I don't want to live with this heart. I hate my heart. I hate the way I feel. I hate this bondage that I'm in. I'm in a bondage of depression. I'm in a bondage of pain. And I hate it, God. I I want to love and I want to be happy. But I've got these thick walls all around me. And the Lord would come, and he would tear him down for me. And love would come out of me. And I'm like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Who is this man? And it was God doing something in my life because I would just say to God, I want that. I want to be like Jesus. I want to love you. I want to love the church. I want to, I'm so sick of the way American men are. So it's John Wayne-ish. I want to be David-ish. Loving God, free, a fighter for God. A lover of people like Jesus Christ. That's a man. Openly loving and caring for people. If you don't love God, it doesn't matter what I've said today. You'll hit the body. You'll be on Facebook. You'll be on the phone grudging somebody before the day's over. But if you love God and he does love you, let the day change everything. Come up here for a fresh anointing up here and ask the Lord would you give me a fresh anointing I want to walk with you this is the two minute warning oh God I want you to pour your spirit out upon me and I just want you to begin to pray just begin to pray right now for God to give you that begin to pray for God to pour his spirit out upon you and beloved listen to me you've got to open your mouth and you've got to talk from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the Bible says the Bible says be filled with the spirit and what is being filled with the spirit how do you do that speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord so just right now begin to lift up your, your words and your praise the fruit of your lips to God and ask God to pour His spirit out upon you give your offense to God give your pain to God give your bitterness to God aren't you tired aren't you tired of living in this pain when God has come to heal you don't make this common today don't make this just another altar service today this is not common God has come here some of you men Satan wants to use you to sow fear and unbelief in the church of Jesus Christ he wants to use you to do it and you think you have a right but you never have a right to strike the body And I'm going to tell you something, beloved. God puts the man in the saddle. And because God puts him there, when he wants him out, God will take him out. But woe to the person who tries to. Woe to that person who tries to do it. This is God's house and you're God's people. And oh, that there would be such a fullness of joy in our lives, such a happiness, such a gladness in our life. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what people who love God are like. There's just a gladness. There's just a happiness. Oh, Father, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The one who lives in you is the healer. The one who lives in you is wisdom. The one who lives in you is power. For Jesus lives in you. And there's nothing impossible for him. Oh, would you just live in a new anointing believing, I'm going to pray for the sick because Jesus lives in me. I'm going to speak to people that are in trouble because Jesus lives in me. I believe he's going to speak through me. I'm going to go into the midst of problems because I believe Jesus is with me and he can answer those problems. I'm going to enter into people's storms because I believe that Jesus can calm their storms and he lives in me. And I just want to be able to let the Holy Spirit get on the field through my life. How many of you want that right now? I want to see... Oh, God, I want to see your desire on the kingdom of hell. I want to see it, God, just pummeled it in the name of Jesus. We want to see souls brought into the kingdom of heaven. We want to love you, God. Oh, we want to love you. There are wives here today you need to forgive your husbands. And there are husbands who need to forgive their wives. And there are people here in friendships you need to forgive one another. You need to forgive one. Oh, it's so hard to take that step. Think about taking a cross before a Roman world and hanging naked there. Think about that. He did that for you, though. And you just go to them and you just, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I want mercy with us. Can we pray that God would give us mercy and love for one another? You just do that. You just do it. And then you begin to find all kinds of rivers of grace sweeping over your life. And you're not tormented anymore. But you're healed. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you more. Fill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Fill us with your power, Lord. Fill us. God, baptize us in your spirit and fire today. God, give us that fire of love in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, that would sacrifice for one another. That would give for one another. Because we love you, Jesus. Come on, just pray. Just pray. Pray in your spirit. Pray in your tongues. I I just can't. If you you could only know the river that would come out if you would open your mouth and speak words to God. And not just stand quietly, but pray. Pray worship not just with a song that Renee would sing but the song of your own heart the words of your own heart the love that you want to give to God right now walk in that new anointing if you're asking for a new anointing go face Goliath stop dealing with sheep faith differently